What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another podcast of Break Your Bubble. So excited to have this particular conversation. We've been wanting to have this one, but uh, schedules didn't align and, you know, <laughs> we were failing on our end, but we're, we're still excited to have this podcast going. Um, this podcast, um, obviously, it's Elias talking. I'm going to be hosting with Jack this time. Jack, if you want to introduce yourself, because I don't think you've hosted the podcast yet. So if you want to introduce yourself real quick, Yep. Uh, thanks, Elias. Excited to be here today. Uh, co-founder here at Break Your Bubble uh, from the Boston area. Junior here at Brown. Um, super excited to have a really interesting discussion about the uh, Donald Trump legacy in American politics. So looking forward to it. We have some good guests, too. So I'm looking forward to the discussions. Yep. And before I take us through, a, actually, no, I'm going to take us through a quick outline first of the podcast. Um, so basically, you know, the first part we're going to be talking about, it's a more personal question, just what's one thing, you know, our guests are sure to remember from the Trump administration? Obviously, um, most recently is the capital rise, but, you know, we don't have to talk about that. We could talk about the whole four years because I think that'll make for a better podcast and it'll be more substantial. Um, the second the second sort of guiding question, obviously, these are guiding questions. They don't have to, we don't have to follow a strict outline or anything like that. Um, the second question will be, what has the former, what has former President Trump done to our culture, our political culture, our social culture? Um, for example, how has he impacted race relations? Um, the third question will be, what is Donald Trump's legacy? How does he rank in terms of presidents? What will we remember him for? What will history remember him for? And lastly, we wanted to sort of do a look into the future thing and and talk finish finish up with biden and you know obviously we've had at the recording of this podcast two months of biden um and so maybe we could just end with sort of talking about what are our hopes um for biden what are our fears what is he what is he what should he do what should he not do what have we been happy by happy with and what have we been disappointed by so before jack uh introduces our first question i'm going to introduce our guests um, well, they're going to introduce themselves. <laughs> um, our first, our first guest is Sydney um, because she's first on my screen. Um, Sydney, if you want to introduce yourself real quick, sort maybe name, concentration, and any political work or interest in politics and stuff like that. Oh yeah, uh, my name is Sydney. Uh, I'm a junior at Brown, studying political science and Africana studies. Um, so I think about politics a lot. I'm really interested in like black politics, African American politics, and even black political theory. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just I think of like politics as like an interest and something that everything everyone should be tuned into. Um, and so I'm excited to have this conversation. I'm excited to sit, think through some things because it's crazy up in here, y'all. <laughs> crazy it is. <laughs> um, Kristen, you are next. Sure. Uh, hi, guys. My name is Christian. I'm a senior at Brown, also concentrating in political science. I'm the vice president of the College Republicans and the president, president and the founder of Turning Point USA. Politics for me is something I've always been interested in. And I've always been, I'm not sure the right word, I guess, intrigued or confused sometimes about how it separates people so much because I feel like most people have the same goals, which is totally different ways to get there and that kind of divides people. Dope, dope, dope. And so I think we can just get started with the with the conversations. Jack, if you wanted to take us through the first question, yeah, that would be yep. great. Yeah, thank you guys. Um, so we're almost two months in January, yeah, almost two months into the uh, new Biden administration, right? But the legacy, uh, the old one kind of remains, right? And its absence is deafening, right? You think about politics, but even Twitter, right? President Trump's ban has changed the landscape of that app and the way we discuss politics. So the legacy of the old administration is sure to have an effect right, on the way we view this one and the next one and the next one. So um, a lot has happened, right? And before Trump left, there was four years of a Trump presidency. A lot went on, right? I just, you know, quickly, right now we're doing the public health crisis, right? There was an attack on the Capitol. Uh, there's a massive vaccination effort. There was a crisis at the border. There was a crisis with North Korea. He was impeached twice and acquitted twice. Three Supreme Court justices. Uh, um, we can think years back, right? We had a, we had an epidemic of school shootings, 
right? How crazy to think that once was a thing, right? Now we're dealing with coronavirus. There's just there's so much right, that's gone on. And so I think it's a really interesting, pertinent question, and it's worth spending our time on. What is one thing that from this administration, these four years, that you're sure to remember and, and why? Sure, yeah, I think um, something that that I'm going to remember, I remember a lot of things from the Trump administration. I think something that that sticks with me the most and that I just can't ignore when I'm thinking about like the, the past four years is I think specifically along the lines of like race relations in the country and not so much in terms of policy or his speeches or what may have happened during the country like during or in the country during his administration but i think the way that he brought a lot of things that were already in america to the forefront um i don't think that like racism started with donald trump and i don't think it'll end with donald trump um and i don't think that he's any different than any other um than like i don't think he's he's new um in in the kind of like politics that he was like espousing but I think the way in which a lot of people in the country thought that this was new. And I think something that's going to stick with me is the way that his administration got a lot of a lot of people, specifically a lot of white people, thinking about race in ways that they never had before. Um, and I think it was easy to, to, to pin him as the guy who brought this all about, the guy who made this happen. And I think that that's something that I'm uh, that I'm thinking more about as we transition to Biden is like, will people be as tuned into race as they were when Trump was president? Um, like, or is that sort of like discourse about, critical discourse about race going to fall out now that he's not president? And people will be like, well, like, you know, we don't have a, a guy in the office who so clearly articulates like his like bigoted views. Like now that that's gone, we can all go back to pretending that like race doesn't exist and we're still in a post-racial society. Like I think the way that he got a lot of like a lot of um like non-people of color thinking about race and thinking about themselves as they relate to race and what sort of ideologies they perpetuate um i think that that is really um something that i haven't worked out all the kinks but i think is something really fascinating about the trump administration the way that he got white people thinking about race and specifically anti-black racism um and i wonder if that if that's sort of like critical thinking about race in this country and, and its history I wonder if that's going to continue in the Biden administration. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. And I often think uh, such a just position of like the Obama years, right? First president of color, uh, you know, an absolutely, you know, an incredible time for, 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 you know, advancing, you know, the equality in society. And then we have the kind of this, this swing, right? Of this pendulum, right? Of, 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 of we have this progressive kind of eight years. And then I don't know, I don't want to, you know, uh, say that it's a, you know, uh, uh, you know, the opposite swing, right? But you kind of touch on this notion, right? Is that President Trump brought up race in a way that we really hadn't seen, and we definitely hadn't seen it with the Obama years, right? It might have been even like a polar opposite, right? So it's really interesting how America is shifting in this way, right? And and we'll yeah. see how that continues with the Biden years, right? Yeah. And then Sydney, I actually wanted to ask you a question um, before before Christian tells us about his. I think it's really interesting, like oftentimes, if we're being frank, oftentimes a lot of people when they think about, you know, Trump's, his, his, you know, his impact on race relations, they think, they think of it as a negative, right? But it seems to me that you were almost sort of putting a positive spin on it where it's like, we're getting people who for the past, in the past, um, didn't necessarily confront these these things they, they didn't confront these these hard questions and so maybe that is sort of a silver lining so i mean obviously you know <laughs> racist racist being exposed like you know them being racist is obviously not good but the fact that it is exposed and the fact that it is something that is being confronted is is that almost a positive that we can take or or am i or am i being too optimistic <laughs> no i I think that that I think that's an interesting way of framing it. I don't know if I will explicitly go to say that it's that it's a a positive, um, but I think that I I will say that I don't think it's a positive because I think at the same time I think I'm thinking more about the abstract like what are the implications of the Trump administration over four years mm -hmm. rather than a specific speech or a specific policy. Um, but I don't want that to overshadow like the way in which his administration um, absolutely perpetuated anti-black violence like that happened like 
black people were killed black people were murdered anti-black violence was 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 so much of a thing during the trump administration um and i'm not going to say like in ways that were all like completely different from other administrations but um i mean he definitely said racist things he encouraged racist behavior he encouraged racial violence explicitly in multiple occasions and i and i don't want to overshadow that i want to hold that but then at the same time i think that because he was so so outwardly like racist and unapologetic it forced a lot of people to be like oh like that's we allow that like we allowed that to happen what does that say about us what is the fact that a man like trump who can say the things that he says and do the things that he that he does and has done like what does it mean that we allowed him to be in the office what does that say about us as americans what does that say about our our, our foundations like what does that say about us that and I, that I think is the most striking thing for me about his about his administration. But I don't know if I'd go to, as far to say that it's a positive because I think at the end of the day, being the president of the United States and thinking about the United States in a global context, like that is a position of power. And I think that he abused that power. And I think that he used that power to perpetuate an obscene amount of violence against specifically black people, black Americans that right. has real life, real life impact. Right, so it's not so much that Oh, sorry, Jack. Oh, sorry, Jack. Um, so it's not so much a, a positive for Trump, but it's sort of, it's it's good to think about the counters, the counters and the and the opposition that Trump that Trump um, sort of elevated with his own hateful rhetoric. That's that's an interesting take, and I, you know I was really interested in that. Sorry, Jack, for cutting you off though. I just wanted to hear if Christian had an opinion about this um, this topic we're discussing right now. If he had something he wanted to say, just trying to work it in. I was just going to ask that if I was supposed to give my legacy uh, take, or if I could, if there was going to be crosstalk involved. Because I mean, I, I feel free to jump in on whatever point you want to jump in about, and then we can move to your, you know, your own legacy point. Sure. So if okay. you want to touch yeah. on this conversation right now, feel free to, and if not, we're happy to move on or continue going with what we were going with. Sounds good. Um, I'm sure you guys saw this coming, but I'm going to have to disagree with, with what Sidney was saying. Um, <laughs> that's how it works, I guess. That's called, uh, Republicans versus Democrats. But I don't, I just don't see the proof of what Sidney was saying that Trump incited racial violence and stuff like that. Trump was the president of all people. Um, Trump in this election gained more uh, uh, votes among minorities than any other uh, Republican, ha Republican has in history. I don't think he, that would be possible if he was a blatant racist, like other people have said he was. Um, I've yet to see an example of a clear racist statement that Trump said in his speech. I'm sure you'll bring up the Charlottesville speech or maybe the, his uh, first speech where he announced he was running for president. And both of those, I think they're clear fabrications of the media. Charlottesville, he never said, that the white supremacists were fine people. He said there was fine people on both sides. If you read the whole transcript, he says, and I am not talking about the white supremacists or neo-Nazis who I condemn completely and should be uh, criticized and blah, 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 blah. He was talking about the people who were there who valued, valued the history of America, the faults and the success, and thought that statues had an important role in, in I guess, honoring that, even the, even the bad parts. Uh, his first speech where everyone takes him out of context and says, oh Trump just said all Mexicans are rapists I think that's another fabrication of the media um, my dad his parents came from Mexico both the parents came from Mexico my dad spent a lot of time in Mexico as a kid like half and half and we both watched that speech when Trump was giving it alive and we didn't see a problem with it and you know the next day and the days following the media's like wow Donald Trump just called all Mexicans rapists We're like, what are you talking about he said that uh, they're, sometimes they're not sending their best the people that come here illegally they're they're not the most, uh, they're not the most like skilled or qualified sometimes. And there's a lot of, there is a lot of crime coming over the border. I think a lot of these uh, race issues are just fabrications of the media. And that's probably one of my biggest regrets about the Trump presidency is that if the media wanted to push a agenda of unity and healing, they could have pushed the message of, hey, Donald Trump, his message is America first. We're all Americans, regardless of our sex, gender, race, past, we're all here to build a better future together. But instead, the media worked to divide people and push against the Trump agenda by doing so. And I think the, uh, real quickly, I'll finish the race tensions, they were pretty bad under Obama too. We had the Black Lives Matter was founded in, um, under Obama's watch. 
we had the Ferguson riots, the Michael Brown killing, Trayvon Martin. Um, I don't think this stuff started under Trump. It didn't start under, under Obama either. I guess you can say this is an underlying problem of uh, uh, humanity even, but Obama, I think my biggest regret for the Obama presidency, even though I wasn't old enough to really know ins and outs, but I think what a lot of conservatives believe is, well, we may not like Obama. He is not the most conservative policy-wise. He may be pushing more liberal policy than we want, but he can be the president to get us past our racial, our racial problems we've had in the past by, by I guess, killing everyone. But I don't think Obama did that. I'm writing about this for, for Professor Lowry's paper. Um, we're talking about defunding the police and Black Lives Matter. And um, Professor Lowry echoed something in the interview saying that if Obama came out and said, uh, if Obama pushed a message of unity after the first like examples of Black Lives Matter or these, these uh, police brutality, uh, say Michael Brown, things could have been a lot better. But instead, instead Obama blamed the police officers and blamed the culture of, of racism. And, he, and Obama could have came out as a problem that we're all facing as Americans, regardless of our skin color, we all want better policing. Um, studies show that that everyone wants policing, regardless of your, their, their race, everyone wants good policing because when, when you feel in danger, you're gonna call the police. I, I think we need to start, I mean, that's probably way jumping ahead to another topic, but when it comes to policing and police reform, I think we need to de-racialize things and just look at it from a point of view as we all, want a better police force, if that makes sense. I, I know I got way off topic there, and, uh, uh, but I mean, that's, that's just my take on the race tensions under Trump. I, 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 not at all, and so I, I thank you for that opinion, and I think it's really interesting that there is such a duality in this country, right? You have 60 million people in 2016 voted for Trump, seven, more, seven million more voted for Trump, right, in 2020. And so you can get on either side of the coin, right? You can say Trump was the greatest president for people of color because he lowered the unemployment rate to the lowest it's ever been, or you can take an approach where he, 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 he took steps in Charlottesville in debates, but not, you know, directly in sight to directly, you know, uh, say Broadway stand down, right? There's just, it's just a really interesting duality. And I think that's what BYB is trying to do is kind of exist in both, somewhere in both of these worlds. And so I want to let Sydney respond to that quickly, and then we'll move on to uh, Christian's point of legacy. Yeah, no, I think what maybe this is surprising. I don't think that we disagree on a lot of points. And I think part of that stems from, I don't know, I'm not really exactly a Democrat. So maybe that's maybe that's where we get off on some of that. But I don't think I disagree on a whole lot of what you would say, or what you did say. Because um, I, I do think that like things sucked under Obama too, for black people, for people of color, like I, I don't disagree with that at all. Um, and I think that we can go tit for tat in terms of language and there are fine people on both sides and Mexicans are right this like we can go tit for tat for language and I'm not really interested in that because you believe what you believe I'm believe what I believe um, but I don't even really think that language is is the thing for me but I appreciate you bringing that up I think we also need to look at inaction like where did he not take action and where did he not explicitly say I could like I agree with racism. I agree with David Duke. I agree with white supremacists. I'm not saying that he that he was so explicit as to like, you know, go public and say like I agree with these things, but I think it was like where he chose to take action and where he chose to step back and let things burn. I think is more so in line with what I'm talking about in the way that he um, perpetuated, maintained, was complicit in, I think maybe complicit in is not even strong enough of a word, um, racial violence, particularly anti-Black violence. I think for me, I look at the places of inaction, not so much as, as uh, you know, saying things like, you know, find people on both sides, like Haiti is a shithole country or, or, or whatever. For me, I'm, I'm not interested in going tit for tat for language and combing through the transcripts of the speeches. Uh, but I think inaction, uh, his inaction during his administration almost speaks uh, louder than the, than the words that he actually said in the explicit ways that he played into racist ideologies um, in the country. And I mean, there are so many other things in, in what you said that are touch points for me, but I, wanna, I don't wanna derail the conversation. Um, but really would love to hear more about this class with Lowry and the, and the things that you're working on, like on, on a side point, like I would love to, for us to link up and to talk about that because that's real interesting and I would love to hear your perspective on that, but I'm gonna I'm let it go so we can move on. <laughs> sure, we can Thank talk you. about Lowry. Oh, sorry, Jack, go ahead. 
No, please. Um, thank you for that. And then Christian, I'll let you just touch on your point of legacy if you want. It's separate from sure. what we've been talking about now. And then we'll feel free. Yeah. Uh, no, Sydney, Lauer's class is really fascinating. Um, we talked about it later, but I mean, it's probably the one of the best classes I've taken at Brown. It's a really cool perspective. Um, I really recommend it if you want to take it next year. He offers two, but it's Econ 1070. It's like race, uh, crime, and punishment in America, I think. That's roughly the title of the class. Don't, don't sue me if I'm wrong. But uh, So I guess a good way to transition to my legacy point is saying that I think Trump did have actions that were active to help minority communities. Uh, one of his big accomplishments was the First Step Act. So that was a big criminal justice reform. I think that's one of my biggest takeaways from Trump's presidency was that piece of uh, policy. But it's also the fact that he was what people called him in the 90s. The blue class billionaire, you know, people. You, this this is discussed like by everyone, and it's a little overdone. But everyone's always saying, "Oh, Trump was the voice of the working class." You know, Trump was the voice of the unrepresented. But Trump is a billionaire, you know. So how, like th that's kind of an interesting. Uh, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but it's really interesting that the voice of the underrepresented people and of the working class is this billionaire guy who comes from New York, and that's really strange. That's not what you would think. But Trump did that because he wasn't afraid to, or Trump was that, because he wasn't afraid to, to be uncouth and not polished. And he, he wasn't the speaker that Obama was, where Obama was a very great speaker. Everyone, everyone thought that. Trump, on the other hand, he went off script a lot. People loved him for that. He, they hated him for that. But Trump was just going to be Trump. And that's what allowed for a lot of these... Uh, things he did to happen. Republicans, Republicans for the longest time said, why does he stay in the Middle East? You know, That's not a, a popular Republican uh, policy to, to stop the wars and to bring our troops back home. But Trump, did, Trump was pushing that big time. That's another big thing I like with the Trump presidency is the, the no wars. People pushed and hated his rhetoric that he was tweeting with uh, North Korea and stuff. Oh, Trump's going to start another war. Trump's going to do this and that. But Trump has a style where it worked out for him. His aggressive tweets with North Korea created this sort of peace. And they, they uh, walked across the DMV together, which I think was a powerful movement. So I guess my big legacy takeaway is Trump was Trump, love him or hate him, but he was able to do a lot of unconventional things because of that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, this, this legacy talk, like... <laughs> Obviously, obviously, we could talk about. It. I'm sure Sydney Sydney's want, wants to respond. I'm sure Christian would love to respond to that as well. But I think um, we have we have three different sections to get to. So I think I think we're gonna move on. Um, we touched on it a little bit earlier, the race relations. But I think our our next section sort of wants to focus on Trump's impact. And obviously, like I said, we've touched on it a little bit. But sort of Trump's impact on the culture. And when I say the culture. I mean, political culture, one, how does he impact how politics are done in this country? How does he impact how people who agree go about business with each other? How, how is he impacted? How people who disagree, who are on different sides of that, how they go about business with each other? And, and obviously, how is he impacted you know, societal culture? I mean, race relations, we've already talked about. We can talk about it again some more, because obviously, um, <laughs> we could talk about that all day. Um, but yeah, I'd love to hear your opinion on sort of what are the what are the lasting societal changes, either political, social, that um, that you know Trump has 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 had um, through his presidency? Sure. Um, like we like you said, we talked about the race uh, earlier. So I think that Trump exposed the bias of the media on both sides, and it got people thinking about that a lot, and that kind of changed how people go about seeing their politics. I think people are trying their best to be more diligent in the sources that they read and try to be try to read different variety of sources so they have a fair and balanced take um and i think trump also exposed the, the censorship of big big tech look at his twitter feed uh it got banned what early january and still not, not back up even our constitutional law class elias everyone in the class was like i wonder what trump would be tweeting right now if he could you know because there is bound to be some jewels in that but i think the biggest thing for the culture is People are talking about politics a lot more than I think they used to. That could be in, for a lot of factors, but I think Trump did that. Um, and I think he'll have a lot of, a lot of this will have a lot of relevancy going to the future when it comes to handling big tech 
and the role of the media in society. And so it's interesting that you say that Trump's impact um, on the culture, again, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a positive spin um, where it's, he, we're getting, he's getting people to not only think about politics more, but also question where, you know, they're getting their sources from, whether or not this is fake news. Um, what, what would you say to the opinion that maybe it's because he was the one putting out the fake, the fake news. Maybe he was the one that, you know, was, that, that was, that caused the people to do that. Was it, was it so much a, a positive, active thing from Trump or was it more of a negative reaction from the public caused by Trump's actions? I, I'd love to hear your, your, your opinion on that. I think like Sydney said earlier, we can go tit for tat back and forth. Like uh, it's one of those things we, we will just always disagree on. But I mean, I personally, I think, I think e e whatever way it came about, it's a good change. Uh, some people are going to be researching more because they're like, is, did, was what the president of the United States said just true or is it false? Let's research that. And on the other side, well, hey, I, that's the media is covering Trump in a totally weird way. Like, that's not true. Let me do my own research on that. So I mean, I think both sides learn from from what's ha what happened in the Trump administration. I'm not sure if that answered your question, but that's, that's what came to mind. No, that does. That that's perfect. I just I just thought I just thought it was interesting the sort of the the positive spin when it's when so often we hear the 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 other side, the negative spin that the only reason why that has happened, why we're doing that is because of the negatives that Trump, you know, that Trump did. Um Sydney, if you wanted to go talk after this. Sorry, sorry if I you know talked over you. No, yeah, this this um this question of like media is interesting and I and, I, and you know what, I'm a little shocked at myself that I like didn't, I didn't, I like didn't foresee you saying that. Um, but I think that's really interesting. I definitely, I, I definitely can agree that I think people are a lot more conscious of like the media that they, um, the media that they take in and verifying their sources. Absolutely. Um, I think a lot of this question of um, the idea that, that, that Trump kind of put out a lot of like the fake news himself is definitely one that I find interesting, definitely one that I believe just because of like where I sit. Um, but I, but I do think that that people being a little bit more conscious of the sources they believe, I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, I don't think that's a bad thing. Would I do, would I directly contribute that to Trump himself? Unsure, but I don't think it's a bad thing nonetheless. Um, I think um, political culture. I think um, Christian, your point about like tr like Trump kind of being like new and, and we've never seen anything like him before, I think that that will have lasting impacts because already with even the 2020 election, like Democrats rhetoric around the 2020 election was like back to tradition, back to basics. And I think that that's even a um, like a, a way that Trump has impacted political culture. And I feel like the, the Biden administration is going back to the tradition, like how, how we see our president as like someone with prestige, which is not necessarily the way that Trump presented himself and, and that may be part of his appeal to some folks. Um, but I can see the way that like his so um, like new and just unconventional style of doing things has like pushed a lot of like new politicians to be like, okay, we have to reel it in. We have to go back to the basic, back to tradition, sticking with what we know, giving speeches that are of a certain, um, a certain caliber that use certain languages like I think it, I think it's also an image thing. I think the way that like Trump has impacted like um, culture in terms of like how the U.S. like how we see ourselves and how other people see us um, also has an interesting like legacy that like we can go into. Um, and then I think I think Christian, you mentioned this briefly um, about like uh, social culture in terms of like people about the polarization that emerged out of like the the Trump uh, administration and not just. Um, politically or ideologically speaking, like as a collective, but more so in the interpersonal relationships. Uh, I feel like during the Trump administration, there were a lot, I heard a lot more about people being like, I can't be friends with this person because they're of insert party, or I can't, you know, whatever. Um, and I don't know, I don't think that that is such a significant thing that we need to spend a lot of time talking about it, because I think that like, you know, the argument against that is like, oh, well, we're all Americans, and we should be able to you know, not have to write people off because of their their politics. And, and there's a certain level of respect that I have for that opinion. But at the same time, I think that it's a matter of like safety. 
and this is when I'm when I'm talking about the violence that like Trump what that Trump perpetuated like sometimes it's physically unsafe to be friends or to be in spaces with people who differ from you politically not because that they are a Republican or they are a Democrat or whatever um, but because of like their actions that that they feel aligned with that ideology whether they do or not um, but a lot of times like violence like being done because people are Republicans and I'm not saying Republicans are violence but people feeling like their actions are like in line with the Republican Party and those actions being violent like I think for some people like dismantling friendships on the basis of like ideological divisions I think is a matter of safety and I think that that's something weird to think about how that emerged during the Trump administration because I don't know if, if I would say the same thing as a um, consequence of the Obama administration I'm sure people you know, didn't want to be friends with their Democrat friends or didn't want to be friends with their Republican friends. But, you know, in a, I think Trump, it was something different. It was something distinct about him. Um, and I know we spent um, time talking about race, but for me, that is, that is probably the biggest thing, like as someone who is Black, like thinking about the way that he, the way that he impacted the way that white people, white, white people talk about and think about race and their own complicity in white supremacy that is ingrained in the structure of the United States, I think is something that is really interesting to think about. And, and I'm scared that we might lose that now that we don't have such a, a controversial figure leading our country. I'm scared that we'll lose that critical thinking analysis. Um, I think you touch on a lot of great points, the both of you. And um, Sydney, I'm, I'm curious because you bring up this notion of he heightened relations, right? Trump has made things personal. And so I wanted to Get, um, one of your either your takes about I think when I'm talking about culture in the Trump years I think of the debates and I think of of um, or I think of many things but one of the major things I, I tend to reflect about is the debates and the primary debates and the way he 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 handled right debating and and the way he handled his relationships with his fellow right primary runners and the way he handled his relationship with Megyn Kelly that one fateful evening right when he had mentioned um, um, unfortunate things to her. So I was I, I was wondering what you guys thought about the way he changed how politicians themselves talk to each other and how we saw that on a debate stage, right? And maybe that affects the way Americans talk to each other generally. But I just think about that really striking, you know, the quotes that he was attributed for back in the primaries. So uh, Christian, I don't know if you want to talk about the primary or that just that answer that question briefly, and then we can move on. Um, yeah, sure. Um, uh, during the primaries. Like I said, Trump was never a politician. He was never groomed to to debate. Wasn't Ted Ted Cruz, who was the president of the debate debate club at Harvard and stuff. Um, so he just came in there swinging like Trump. Uh, he made a lot of mistakes along the way, but it really worked out for him too because people liked that uh, spontaneity of him and not just rawness. Uh, his his nicknames for everyone: Little Marco, Lion Ted, uh, Crooked Hillary. That stuff. He's a great marketer, whether you love him or hate him. And a great uh, per, per, persuasionist, or whatever word you want to use. Um, so he really knows how to sell himself, and and he did it the best way he could on the stage. As for how politicians talk to each other, I'm not sure how the lasting implications of that will be yet. Um, I'm, you can see some more populist members of the Republican Party come up recently, and they have they try to mimic Trump's style, I guess. But I'm not sure if that's just a fad or if that's going to be something that will last into the future. As for the Megyn Kelly thing, um, Trump, I, I think that was one of Trump's mess ups during the primaries, um, slip ups. But I think they're on good relationships now. I listened to Megyn Kelly's podcast a couple of weeks ago, and she she seems to be on good terms with Trump again. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure about how long lasting the ramifications will be because it's too early to say. Okay, thank you. Um, so on to the next um, topic. And so I am very interested in this because I think about the history of American presidents and you think Washington Revolutionary War, Andrew Jackson, you know, Trail of Tears, FDR, World War II, Andrew Johnson, Vietnam, Nixon, impeachment, you can go on forever, right? But there's always like there's one thing, right? Obama, Obamacare, maybe the New Deal or something, right? So what is, when you think, when, you know, our kids or other people's kids ask us in 50 years, you were alive for one of the craziest presidencies in the history of America. What is that one thing that you think people will say to find his a whole four years in the way it defined maybe the way you experienced those four years? Could I circle back to the last point uh, we were talking about? Because uh, Sidney was talking about how 
during Trump's presidency, it seemed like people had a lot more of the mindset where, oh, we can't be friends with each other anymore. Um, I just wanted to talk about that. Last summer, like during the whole George Floyd event uh, and the Black Lives Matter uh, protests and riots and whatnot, my friend I've known since third grade, my best friend since third grade, Jachelle, he just like totally cut off our whole friend group during that time. Right. And I tried reaching out to him. Hey, hey man, what's up? Like, I'm here, here for you. Uh, if you want to talk, I'm, I'm, I'm here, you know, but he just totally cut me, me off and the whole friend, friend group for the extent, for, uh, for that matter, because he knew I was a, like a Republican and a Trump supporter. And he didn't want, without even talking to me, he didn't want my like opinion of what was happening at the time. Cause he automatically labeled me as like the enemy because it was it was back then it was like a clear you're with me you're 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 against me it was like that scene in star wars where obi-wan and anakin are fighting and anakin says if you're not with me then you're my enemy and then they fight it was really bizarre and we didn't talk for like six seven months and then finally like uh i reached out because he graduated early i said hey man congrats on graduating um good luck with whatever and then he texts me back says hey sorry man i know um i blew you off and this summer and i don't think you're racist but i was just going through a lot back then a lot of tensions and this is after the election was over so i'm not sure if that kind of eased his mind um but now we're back to being friends again and stuff you know like like nothing ever happened but it was just a bizarre event that like the events of last month like sitting was saying split people up so much i'm not sure if that happened during the obama administration on such a prevalent level or on in other administrations um yeah i just just thought that was a experience yeah thank you for sharing that's very um i mean it's relevant to what we're doing here today right on i mean it's just it's it's emblematic sort of of i don't even think it's a it's a question that trump obviously is a polarizing figure that's just who he is he's he's i mean obviously we're all what 20 19 21 years old so trump is really the first president that we've that we've actually been I don't want to say affected by because we've been affected by all the presidents, but he's the, he's, he's the first one that we really, with more mature minds, have been able to experience. But I think, it, I th I think it's really interesting that, that you bring that up because we're used, we may be used to, after this presidency, we may be used to, you know, the president being able to polarize us and affect us so deeply and so intrinsically, um, like, like that story that you said, Christian. Um, I just think, I don't know, I just think it's such a weird thing that, you know, whole friend groups and whole, you know, people who have, like you said, people who have been um, friends their entire lives, they, because of Trump, because he's such a polarizing figure, you know, they have been, <laughs> they're, they're driven apart, they are, they are no longer friends. I don't know, it seems, it seems weird to me, and I don't, and I don't know if I necessarily like like that fact and I don't know if I want to see that in the future um that that idea of such a polarizing figure I don't know that's that that's me putting my own personal things I don't know if we're supposed to do that too much on BYP but see but that's where I would I would disagree and I would say it's not so much Trump it's the narrative surrounding him uh pushed by the media and surrounding the events that were happening mm -hmm. uh I feel like it was the media and prominent politicians that were pushing the message you're with us in this movement or you're against us and you're an enemy be an anti-racist or you are a racist and I, I just don't think it's especially when people just disagree on the solutions everyone wants a more equal and just society but people have different solutions to get there uh conservatives don't want to defund the police but they still want police reform and better policing so i, I think it was less trump and more of the, the media from my perspective interesting and i um and it's some really interesting stuff. And so, uh, Sydney, do you want to maybe touch on your your kind of you know what's one thing that people are going to say? Because I know Christian is, is is tumultuous times with his friends, maybe, or the kind of the way in which Trump and the politics changed his life, right? So, do you have something that you might want to? I think it. I think it may be a little bit more similar than we all might have expected it. And I think, like Christian, I also don't want to. I don't want to point to Trump as the source. 
though I differ from Christian and Christian saying like, oh, it's the media or oh, it is the, the, the Democrats. Um, that's not me. I think it's structural. Like Christian goes to other side as I'm understanding him to be saying, I go to structure. And I, I also disagree that I don't think any of this is, you know, specific to Trump. And I think that's where we make a mistake in moving forward is that we think that all of just, all of this just emerged from Trump. And now that he's gone, things will, you know, be peaches and cream and rainbows and sunshine and, and the problems will no longer be there. And, and I don't think that's the case because I think Trump acted as like a flashlight um, and illuminated a lot of things that were already wrong um, and that were already unjust um, in this country and in its foundation. Um, and he merely by being whatever we want to call him, just shined a light on that. Um, and so I would hate for us to like leave this conversation, um, like pointing to like, it's just Trump. He was the only one that's the problem because I don't think that's the, that's the case. Um, but I also think like the way that I process or the way that I think about the Trump administration also may be a little bit like more personal than Christian. Um, and I think that it has to do with, you know, all of the identities that I inhabit, but I think like a, just like a feeling of, of, of the Trump administration is like not feeling safe. Like that is kind of like the lasting impact is that I think for like the past four years, me and, and maybe even people who, who, are, who are situated in similar positions to me, like I just felt unsafe. I just felt <laughs> unsafe for four years. Um, and I felt invisible and, and, and disregarded. And I think that those I think that those are the feelings that motivate people to to cut off or remove themselves from friendships um, or, or to disengage in, in, in whatever ways. And I can't speak to, to everybody's experience, but I think that that feeling of like, this country doesn't care about me or people like me, this country is actively trying to kill me um, or has killed people around me. Um, like that feeling of just under attack I think is something that like I'll take with me. And is and I, I can't sit on here and be like, I'm excited for the Biden administration. Like, I don't know if if y'all were looking for like a Democrat who is gonna do that, but it's not gonna be me. Um, but I think that I'm at least excited about in some sense for the Biden administration, or that I was able to I was able to take a breath on election day. Like I was able to like breathe a little bit easier. Like I'm not excited for for Biden in any sort of the way and, and kind of dreading his presidency because like I, I think he kind of sucks to put it, you know, and not like super, you know, you know, Ivy League language. Like I think he kind of sucks, but um I think that I was at least able to take a breath. I was at least able to take a little bit of a breath. Um but yeah, I think that it's it's those personal feelings, the way that I felt during those four years. Um, the way that I saw people treat me differently or feel like they had a voice, that Trump gave them a voice and that it was okay to, to do violence to other people, that it was okay to, to, to hold these really problematic beliefs and not do any sort of critical self-reflection, um, to model President Trump and do no critical self-reflection. Um, I think those are the things that like made me feel uneasy, unsafe, unwanted, like I, I, I don't belong. And I think that that's the thing that will stick with me the most and the thing that I um, and, and happy to let a little bit of that go with the Biden administration. Not all of it, but just a little bit. Yeah, um, that's incredible. And I think um, if anyone listens to this podcast, I think what they'll take away is these past five minutes, which is that the past four years have been an, an incredibly emotional experience for different people in different ways, right? But I think everyone is processing it and so maybe that can come as a consolation for those that are having trouble doing so is that ever you know a lot of people are struggling with it as well so thank you for that guys um Cindy spoke a little bit about this um and so I guess we just got her take but um Christian if you wanted to mention what you are seeing or looking forward to or not in the next four um with with President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris um sure um first I just want to address what Sydney said earlier. No one should feel like they're invisible or that they're in constant danger, and that's a terrible thing to feel. Um, so I sympathize with that. Um, there's something else I was going to say about that. My brain, man, it's 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 going today. It's not in a good place. Uh, but going on to Biden. Oh, Sydney brought this up earlier, uh, where she said that things are back to normal. That's something you hear a lot. Everyone say, "Oh, things are back to normal." Uh, 
Biden's back, normalcy's back, craziness is gone, all this stuff. But to me, what is normalcy? You know, is normalcy bombing the Middle East? Is normalcy uh, changing words around on the border and saying, oh, oh, no, I know we criticize the Trump administration, see all this stuff inhumane and stuff, but the way we're doing it, we're renaming it stuff, so it's different, you know? Um, is this, the normalcy from my perspective is that the relationship between the media and the presidency is fixed. They're on the same side again. Uh, it's a lovey-dovey honeymoon relationship once more. Uh, I was almost tricked by this too. If you look at Biden's, I think it was Valentine's Day, he was walking his dog, his major and champ with his wife, Jill, on like the White House lawn. And it was so bizarre, like compared to the last four years, because the media is like, oh, Joe, how's your day going, Joe, Joe? Oh, Joe, that's a great dog. Joe, oh, I love you, Joe. And then, Joe, what kind of coffee is that? And one of the female reporters asked. And Joe's like, oh, uh, uh, said something that gives her the coffee, right? And I'm like, this, this is just like a twilight zone. If you, if you, if you told someone two years ago, this is what the presidency would look, would look like. Um, so I think the return to normalcy is bad in a, in a way, because what, what's the normalcy we're returning to? We're returning to the, what conservatives would call the establishment running things. Uh, uh, so what I'm looking forward to Biden is not very much. I just hope we don't get involved too much in wars. Hopefully we don't have a direct uh, involvement in a war or anything close to that. And um, honestly, I think Vice President Harris will become more and more relevant over the next four years because I think she'll be the one running in 2024. So I think over the next four years, she'll become more and more like the, the face of the administration over President Biden. No, that's, it's interesting that you mentioned, and you're sort of touching on sort of like this establishment versus sort of a populist or a, what's the word I'm looking for? I think populist is the word, sort of an establishment versus an outsider, that's the word, outsider slash um, populist um, movement. And so you obviously see Biden as the establishment. And do you think there are any aspects of Biden's um, sort of campaign of, of Democrats right now that you think are trying to appeal to this sort of outsider um, rhetoric that Trump, that Trump definitely appealed to? Or do you think that, that it's mainly just a return to the establishment? And Sydney said this earlier, that we're going back to basics. We're going back to you know, how things are done. Um, do you see any 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 one my so my first question is do you see anything that the Democrats are doing that is sort of in line with that more outsider doing something new thing, or do you think that it's just all going back to the establishment? And secondly, do you see any value in keeping some of that establishment thing, like you said? Uh, personally, I don't see any any signs of that. Biden, honestly, I I think President Biden is more of a empty canvas, and he will he'll just do whatever. He'll be fine with whatever Congress wants to do. He won't be a, 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 he won't stop that. I think the only outsider person I can think of that's an elected Democrat in Congress is Bernie. Bernie has a vibe where I, I, I feel like Bernie believes what he's saying. Even though I disagree with him policy-wise, I feel like Bernie actually believes what he's saying and like he'll fight for it. He stayed up until like what, like three o'clock in the morning the other night fighting for the $15 minimum wage. Even though I disagree with him on pretty much everything, like I respect his like, his drive, I guess. And I just don't see that from, from Biden. I feel like Biden just, he's there to be there. Um, and I just don't see much life from him. Um, as for, is there any, any value to the establishment? I think that's the question that like, you can make a lot broader. Like, I think that's something that like goes back in time. You always have the establishment, then you have the progressives or the outsiders who are fighting the establishment. And there's always values in both, you know? The establishment is good because there's order, but then the outsider comes in because there's, there's bad stuff happening, we need to shake stuff up. Um, but I, I just don't see anything of value that the, the establishment that is currently, that Biden's currently um, going back to, I don't see any value in that. I mean, my question wasn't more, wasn't, and I, I obviously phrased it poorly, um, but it was more on, in, in the lines of, is you know, the rhetoric that the Biden campaign and you know, the ethos that they're putting out um, do you see value in that? Do you see any, any appeal in that? Or do you think that, you know, appealing to change and appealing to, 
to some of the things that Trump and some of the feelings and sentiments that Trump appealed to, do you think that's more that's more valuable? That's that was basically my question. Um, sure. So the more of the rhetoric of Biden's uh, campaign. Yeah. More of the rhetoric. More of the rhetoric of his campaign, and also just in general how people see him. Like I think we mentioned this before that obviously it's it's a return to normalcy, and Biden himself has 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 you know campaigned on him being sort of a not a pinnacle of the presidency, but a return to what the presidency should look like. Sure. Um, honestly, I think most of his words are just that words. Most of them are empty. And they're the classic uh, rhetoric and style you would want from a politician run from office, which you don't really get, get from Trump because he's off the cuff, like we said. Uh, he And, oh, you said more of the return to normalcy of the president itself. I, I Like I said, I think I think part of that is also just things seem less crazy because we're told they're less crazy. Um, there's still crazy stuff happening. You know, we, we bombed the Middle East, like I said. There's still a huge crisis at the border. I think over 6,000 people are coming in, coming in undocumented uh, every day now. Well, during Trump, I think at one point it was, it was 800, I want to say. So it's a huge increase. Um, I just feel like we're told things are normal, but there's still craziness happening, you know? I'm not sure that I'm not sure that answers your point again, or if I'm missing it. But no, no, that was that was good. And again, my question is is just ideas pop in my head. I don't know how to phrase them. So no, you you did you did the best <laughs> you did the best you could with my with my question. Um, Sydney, if you wanted to respond or say you know your own thing, and then I think the last thing we'll do is sort of do like a, what we what we learned and what we took away from it from this conversation. Yeah, no, this is all this is all really interesting, and I definitely you know, share the sentiments of like back to normal as like not good. Like I'm not a fan of this back to tradition, back to normal. So I think we can kind of vibe out on that point. Um, but I think what's interesting or like what has been really interesting for me watching y'all dialogue around this is this positioning of Trump as an outsider. I think the manner in which he went about his presidency was, um, was kind of like an outsider. It, it was outside of the norm of what we usually see how presidents, you know, behave and how they carry themselves and 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 the language that they use. I think that that was that was new and that was a, a outside the norm. But I think the values that he that he upheld, um, the views that he espoused, were not foreign to America at all. I think the values that Trump. Um, brought in were like as American as apple pie. I don't think that that was outsider at all. I don't think his policies were outsider. I don't think um, any of the ways that I've talked about that he perpetuated and, and, and you know, perpetuated anti-Black racism um, or even just like, you know, racial violence. That's not new. That's as American as apple pie um, or the way that he um, divided people. Americans being divided that's not new, you know, like we've been divided. There's always been, you know, at least two factions competing against each other around some sort of ideological division. Um, but I think it's interesting to kind of position Trump as like, or herald him as this outsider when, um, you know, I think the manner in which she went about things was completely new that we had never seen before. And I think that's what slapped a lot of people upside the head is like, whoa, we ain't never seen somebody do it like this before. But what he was doing, I think, was completely in line with who America has always been. Um, and I think that that's where I locate the problem is, is, within, is within the foundation of our, of our country. And that's where I think I would um, kind of like differ and maybe not in the traditional Democrat sense. Um, but I think that that's, that's where the problem lies for me. Um, it's not that like, oh, it was Trump and he had all these new ideas and values. And, and for people who I guess may be a little bit more closer to me, ideological, maybe would say that like those were the bad parts of the Trump presidency were his values like his values were the same as American values and and those American values are, are where is where my problem lies and that's why I think that this Biden's move to back to tradition back to that back to basics back to who we always are that's scary to me because at least Trump was so polarizing that it made people think twice about the values that we held whereas Biden I think makes people particularly particularly white people, middle and upper class white people feel okay. Like they don't feel like, you know, their minority friends are looking at them sideways or they don't feel like they're participating in these violent systems of oppressions. Like 
Biden makes everything makes everybody feel okay. And I think that sense of stability and security can be really misleading and distracts us from creating a more just society. Um, so I don't think Trump was making a more just society. I don't think Biden's going to make a more just society. Um, and I know that that's kind of like a pessimistic uh, note to end on. Um, but that's, that's just kind of the way that I that I see things. Yeah, thank Christian, did you want to quickly? No, I was just gonna say there's there's a lot of, I see a lot of merit to what you're saying, especially when you say that uh, Trump described America like apple pie or whatever. I, I've heard that from a lot of people from left and the right. I think the difference comes from the way you're phrasing it is you're saying that Trump was bringing about like, or he was the flashlight. Well, people use that analogy on the right too, that he was the flashlight exposing all the problems. Um, and I think it's really interesting how both the left and the right both think that, but in different ways. Um, I think that the idea that American is apple pie and is good and all that stuff, that's a good message. Because if you look at Trump's speech from the 4th of July this past year and Mount Rushmore, he had a speech where he acknowledged uh, our, our faults and whatnot, but he also acknowledged that we are always, in, we have always been a country that's striving to improve itself over and over again. Um, and that that's just part of what being part of the American, American experience is. Um, so I, I think where we disagree is the the racial issues, I guess. But Trump, I, I think I think I think there's a lot of room for agreement. I would love to have more detailed conversation about I guess the inner workings of that because how society progresses is dialogue through conversation. And when that's prevented and when that doesn't happen, then how are supposed to people people supposed to come together and improve when they can't even talk to each other about issues, if that makes sense. Um, so, I mean, I really appreciate what Elias and Jack, you guys are doing here, like hosting this podcast where like Sydney and I can come together and see there's similarities between what we think, but there's also differences that, that we just have to uh, talk through, you know? Yeah, I really appreciate that. And I've learned a lot today out of myself. And I, I, I'll think back to this discussion about um, what the, over the past summer did and how the Trump world and, and the race situation and the, and the, the movement was so emotional for so many people. So I'll be sure to think about that. It's really poignant. And so I guess I um, want to ask the two of you then, right, what is um, one thing that you feel like you gained from this discussion, just so we can kind of leave here today, not on a you know, point of disagreement, but a point of, and this was really profound and effective and a great use of an hour of our time. So um, anyone who feels strongly can jump in. I think I, it's just going to be repeating what I just said a minute ago, where um, people aren't as divided as it seems. And if they would just take time to try to see where other people are coming from and what forms those opinions, then society and people in general will be a lot better off. Um, so like I said, shout out to you guys for hosting this podcast. Let us do that. Because um, I mean, like, like I said at the beginning of this, we're all Americans at the end of the day. We all have very similar goals. We just have different ways of viewing them and the, the steps to achieving them. So I think more conversation about that would be better. Yeah, I think that this conversation was really valuable to me in seeing where kind of each side, I guess, like locates the problem. Like I really, um, I really found it interesting to hear Christian's perspective about the media and how much of a role that plays in the way that he understands the Trump administration and even like ideological divides. Like to me, that's not something that I that I think about um, because I think most of the media that I consume is aligned with my um, beliefs already, which is something that I can totally fess up to. Um, so I think that that was uh, a really interesting perspective to hear. And just to think about like what sort of direction we're looking in, like. What, what really is the problem? Um, is it the media? Um, is it an individual figure and what that figure represents? Or is it um, the principles and the foundations that, that undergird our country? I think depending on where you locate the problem um, depends on how you go about fixing it. Um, and I think that that Christian's perspective um, was, was definitely new to me and I enjoyed uh, I definitely enjoyed hearing about it, and I and I am loving like the the theme of this podcast or like what it what it aims to do. And I hope also that while we're having these kind of like abstract uh, conversations about what are the similarities and what are the differences and how we can dialogue, 
um, I hope that we all can keep in mind that at the same time we're dialoguing and conversing and having a conversation like there are real policies, there are real actions that affect people's everyday lives. And the sooner that we work out in these conversations, how we gonna go about fixing it, the sooner people's um, everyday lives improves, like the sooner that people stop losing jobs, stop dying, stop whatever. Um, and so I think that I hope that we can ground these conversations in that, in that urgency, because I think that, that, we, that we are in a state of urgency. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we're, we're at Brown right now and we're talking about politics, but it's all, it always serves us to remember that, you know, these are, these are real people's lives. Like these are real people um, talking about policies that have real impact. So, you know, it's always a sobering thought um, just to, just to keep grounded. And, you know, we thank you for that. Um, and yeah, going, going back to your, I'm, I'm wrapping up right now uh, because we, we definitely are over time. Christian has to go. Um, but, you know, both, both of, both of the, both of you brought profound, you know, I don't want to say arguments even, but you brought profound thinking points to the discussion. Christian, for me, it was, you know, your your insistence that it wasn't it wasn't actually Trump, it was the media. That's that's a that's a perspective that, you know, I personally have not considered. And that's something that you got me thinking. And for Sydney, it was that like even though Trump, like obviously in your opinion, even though Trump was, you know, explicitly <laughs> made the made the place made America less safe for um black americans um that he sort of he sort of generated an energy a counter energy that you think may may be going away if you know biden is allowed to just have a four years where everybody thinks everything is fine and there's and we got the boogeyman out of office and now and now we have a better president um that you know that talking point and i don't know if i did you justice on on my explanation but i think that talking point for me was really profound um, but yeah, like I said, we do have to wrap up. Thank you to our guests. Um, you guys have been wonderful. I think it's been one of the best podcasts we've had. Um, again, if you're listening, I don't know, at home, at Brown, wherever you are, um, follow us on Instagram, underscore break your bubble. Um, we'll try to be getting this out within the next couple of weeks. And we hope you guys have a great day and take care.